Hey, it's Jeff and Jeremy from the Ultra Running Guys. And if you're here, you probably already know that we started this podcast to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. And we just wanted to take a moment to say thank you and let you know how much we appreciate you being part of the Ultra Running Guys community because we know there are a million other ways you could choose to spend this time. We love hearing from you. We're always trying to improve. So if you have guest suggestions or feedback, hit us up through social media or reach out to us at theultrarunningguys at gmail.com. And again, thanks for plugging in. And with that, enjoy the episode. And remember, when in doubt, just show up. And welcome back to the Ultra Running Guys. You got Jeremy Reynolds and Jeff Winchester of the Ultra Running Guys. And the reason that we're here is to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. And a big part of figuring out what that next step is, a lot of time is figuring out what you want to put on your calendar. So listen up, because tonight we're going to be spotlighting an amazing race as part of our race spotlight episode. And uh, we've got a big timer on here, so I could not be more stoked. But Jeff, why don't you give us a rundown of what we'll be talking about? Man, I am not even sure where to begin (laughs) I feel like I'm in the presence of royalty when it comes to ultra running and everything. And so um, tonight we're going to be talking to the founder, CEO, owner extraordinaire of Air Viper Running, um, Mr. Jamil Corey. And so excited to have you. We're going to be talking about the Black Canes 100K, though. We know you have a ton of other events that we could spend the entire evening and weeks talking through, <laughs> but we won't. We won't kind of bore you to death with all those details, but we're going to talk about the Black Canyons 100K specifically. Um, and it does take place in February in Arizona and is a point-to-point race along the Black Canyons Trail. The trail is a mix of single track, Jeep roads, and parts of it are along an old stagecoach route. The race has more elevation loss, though, than gain, which is a little bit different because oftentimes we think of how, how much climb we're going to have, but this has more loss than gain, which I think probably sets people up a little bit um, as a problem later on, but we'll get to that as well. Runners have 20 hours to finish the race. And if you want to make it your Western States qualifier, you have to get it done in 17 hours. But most importantly, maybe not even most importantly, but really the newest thing that we did find out as of yesterday. Breaking news. Breaking, breaking news <laughs> was it was just announced as one of the nine races of the World Trail Majors. So we're going to get into all of that and all things Black Canyons 100K with Mr. Jamil. So Jamil, welcome to the show. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to talk about Black Canyon. Yeah, well, look, Jamil, we're stoked. Um, if anybody's listening, they've been around for a while. Uh, they're going to know you. They're going to know Era Vipa. Um, you guys have just a reputation for quality, for fun, for experience. Um, and so it was hard to kind of you know narrow down what we wanted to talk about. But we're going to focus on Black Canyon 100K. But we do want to ask, and it's going to be hard not to take too much time, but World Trail Majors just announced, like we said yesterday, um, this may come out in a few weeks, but for anybody listening for the community, Black Canyons 100K being a part of that, what does that mean for the trail community? Yeah, well, you guys have impeccable timing. I think you're at like the first interview I've done post announcement, so it's very exciting. Um, but yeah, I think what it means, um, you know, we were part of the Ultra Trail World Tour, which was around a few years ago. Um, and we got invited to that through UTMB Mont Blanc and, um, you know, got invited to come to the World Trail Majors by some of the former uh, members of that series that decided not to join uh, or, I guess, sell their races to UTMB uh, and to Ironman. And so, you know, it feels like a really organic, really amazing partnership between similar organizations or similar events to what you know, we've built here in Arizona and potentially with Black Canyon. So it, it feels really 
natural, really nice to be part of this kind of alliance or coalition of other event organizers from around the world that, you know, are basically people that founded, operate, and put on these races, like by the runner, for the runner, from the local communities. Um, and like, they're kind of staying true to their values and to the community. And so it's just a perfect fit for us. And, you know, we did have kind of the option of which event we wanted to submit. And, you know, I view the world trail majors similar to the world marathon majors, or, you know, there's kind of similar series in other sports like golf or tennis. And I really feel like black Canyon is just a classic Southwest Arizona desert race that like I would tell anyone to come and run. It's a classic course. Um, it's a big race. It's competitive already. And that's kind of why we wanted to be part of it with this event. We feel like it's kind of the best of what we do. And, you know, I think it would offer not only it's a great experience for people that live here in the United States, but I think it would be amazing experience for anyone around the world to put on their bucket list to really showcase what the Western US is about in terms of ultra running. So it's a great summary and he just sold it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, and we talked about it before. It's honestly hard for us to not go down that rabbit hole with questions and different things, but we're going to stay on task uh, and, and talk about the canyons. But, so rare. Yeah. May, but so we may rare. be, uh, you know, reaching out to, to bend your ear a little bit about that because I'm sure that it, it has the potential for such great things for the trail community, just in terms of that, all that together. Well, the, but, the organic nature of it, I think, is really what's going to attract most ultra runners that are, are more thinking about what's traditional ethos of really about running in general and stuff. I think that's what it speaks to it and everything they're trying to put together. So yeah, 100% Back up, tangents. I will be there. Sorry. <laughs> 100% community is the number one thing for us. Um, we're lucky enough to just have a very cool, loyal, tight community. Um, obviously, you know all about that. But so let's talk about Black Canyon. We're going to get into some of the tactical stuff. If somebody's listening, we want them to know what to expect. But we kind of want to know from you first, what is your favorite thing about the Black Canyon 100 as the race director? Man, to me, it's hard to narrow it down to one thing. I mean, the course itself to me is just classic. I mean, it's a point to point. Like you guys said in the intro, it's this net downhill. It's a good part of it is single track. And the way it just winds through the desert is it's beautiful. It starts in the high desert and it gives way to the Sonoran Desert. You've got just hundreds of saguaros that you run past, like the big cactus with the arms. And then you go through the canyon section where, you know, if you hit the right year, there could be just like an amazing creek, multiple creek crossings in the middle of a race, which you never, you don't really think about that in the desert. So it's just kind of full of a lot of surprises out there. That's awesome. Um, so you mentioned actually there was single track. And when you said that, and, I, and I'm aware of, there's a, a good number of runners that do run this race. Um, and so I'm going to go a little bit on a tangent with what you mentioned, but how, how do you balance the um, the start of the race with the volume of runners that you have where a good portion of the race is on single track? Yeah, so we moved to a wave format, um, left over a little bit from, from COVID, but we'll have multiple wave starts. So I think we do two or three right now. It just depends on the size of the field. Um, and there is about two, two and a half miles of road that leads to the single track before it starts to spread out. So uh, we were able to do that to kind of 
spread the field out. Um, the other thing we did, we used to have the 60K and 100K on the same day. We've moved them to separate days so that the 60K leaders aren't having to run up behind like the entire 100K back. So yeah, obviously it's got a reputation. Uh, you already talked about some of the reasons I think that people would want to come back the course, uh, just some of the beauty, uh, the, obviously now uh, being part of the majors. We know there's a lot of good things about it. What do you think? So now somebody's listening, they're interested. What do you think that runners underestimate about the, about this race? Man, there's a few things. So I would say the net downhill nature uh, is a little bit of an underestimation. It's pretty smooth early on and you have, you lose most of the downhill in the first 20 miles. And there's a lot of hills towards the end. Like it's really heavy in the back half for the climbing. So I think people have a tendency, they go out quicker than they want to. They burn their legs out on the downhill and then they don't have anything left um, for the latter parts of the race. Uh, and then the other part is, of course, the climate. We're in the desert. It's dry. And the afternoon can get hot even in February. So we've had some years where it's mid-80s, even flirting with 90 degrees Fahrenheit out there. And so I think people are coming from colder locations. They're coming from the snow. They're just not acclimated over the winter. So I think all of that wrapped up can be pretty sneaky. So the two takeaways I take from that is plan for heat in a time that most of the time, you know, in most other places may not heat. So be thinking about that, but the net downhill, it's interesting that a lot of that is on the front end. Um, do you have any tips, whether it's training or something, have you seen methods that really help pre people prepare for the way the course is laid out? Yeah, I think like, obviously you can train your quads for the downhills, but I think more than that, it's all about pacing. So I think just somehow putting the brakes on a little bit early on, I know it's tough to do. It's like really exciting or you're jockeying for position a little bit, but, uh, you know, just maybe back off a little bit, uh, early on. All right. Do you think that's what um, knocks people out of the race more often? Either they blew up their quads or they've gotten, um, they haven't acclimated to the heat well enough. Like, what do you think of the two would be the primary reason? I think it kind of depends on the weather year. Um, and I will mention, we've also had a couple cold years um, with like freezing rain and like flash floods in the canyon. So it's like, it can be a bit of a wild card, but I would say um, if it's a relatively okay weather year and it's not too hot out, it's going to be that fast pace that's going to get people. That makes sense. Yeah. And that, so we talked about before my, both my parents grew up in Phoenix, been out in the desert. The one thing about the desert, I feel like it, especially certain times of year, you can have such swings in, uh, temperature and weather and things can change very quickly. So I would imagine that that's no exception for this race. So, you know, if you're listening, I guess plan for anything. Right. <laughs> well, I'm gonna. Mind, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna um, go for some unsolicited advice. So I ran the Zion's 100K. Um, I guess it was last year, and it's the first time I've ever, ever been out to the West, Midwest, whatever you want to call Utah. And um, so I'm. I, I live on the East Coast. Uh, you know, in all transparency, I have trees all around me. I have you know shade. I have all that. I have a lot of humidity, which you guys don't have the same. But I don't. I'm not used to running in an environment where I'm fully exposed all the time. Right. So, um, 
Like, is there gear that I should have? Is there something, I mean, I see people wearing like these sleeves, they wear big hats, they wear like, and what am I supposed to wear to prevent this feeling of always being exposed? And, and I mean, I wore sunglasses for the first time in a race because I was like, I don't know what to do with my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I take it for granted being out here because it's like wide open spaces. Um, and I'm like the opposite. I'm not used to the green tunnel very often. But um, yeah, I think, you know, wearing a hat, um, a wide brimmed hat, potentially like, you know, the bucket hat has a, has a sort of a, a look at times out here out west, but sunglasses can be a thing. Now, for a race like Black Canyon, I I wouldn't go like full solar umbrella, but like I have seen people at a race like Cocodona actually use like an ultralight hiking umbrella uh, just to get out of that sun. It's actually kind of a genius idea. Um, but yeah, I would say you can also use, um, yeah, you start to get into the heat cooling uh, equipment. So arm sleeves, you could put ice in it or an ice bandana. You know, if you roll into Black Canyon City or Table Mesa and it's middle of the afternoon, you might want to fill up an ice bandana um, out there. Good advice. I just remember um, I was at an aid station. I had gotten really dehydrated at this point, and I was at a water stop. wasn't even an aid station, and I literally was trying to get beside the big water tower to get some shade. Right, <laughs> right. And the volunteer said, "You probably need to go home." But that's beside the point. <laughs> In which I did. So, and we've had a handful of guests on. Well, I mean, a lot of guests that have been out and run your races. But now I'm just envisioning like Andy Glaze, like. We need to get that guy an umbrella for next year. Right. You know, for... He would do awesome with an umbrella. <laughs> and help him out at his, at his Cocoa Canyons. Um, speaking of aid stations. Yeah, speaking of aid stations. So, again, somebody's listening. Let's talk about what should people expect? What, what, what do they have? How far apart? What should somebody plan on carrying? Those types of items. Yeah, I would say the, the race is fairly well supported uh, overall. We've got aid every five to nine miles. So, um, and the nine is, uh, the one that's a little bit longer. So that's going to be from black Canyon city to cottonwood Gulch is the longest stretch without aid. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've got full aid stations with water, ice, electrolyte, uh, type drinks. We've got real foods, um, fruit, you know, kind of all the standard fare. Um, and then we like to do at a couple of the stops, usually, some heartier meals. Like we understand, you know, this isn't a hundred miler, but people are out there for 20 hours. So you're, you may want that more real substantial food. So, um, you know, Bumblebee ranch. Um, I don't know if we're going to, we'll probably get into the crew stuff a little bit later, but we'll have more of the major aid stations. And then some of them are a little more pared down in between. Okay. Yeah, no, that's good to know. And, and I, I think that, you know, hopefully people's ears perk up. So five to nine miles. So it's a little bit of a gap thinking nine miles. Um, so plan to carry something to take care of yourself. Do you guys, uh, because some races do or not, I'm guessing out there, most people are already carrying a bottle of some sort, especially with a nine mile gap. Um, but do you encourage, you know, kind of cupless racing or having somebody carry something? Uh, what's your take on that? Yeah, most of our events are cupless. So, um, you know, bring definitely bring a cup for sodas and stuff like that. Um, and I would say, like, you could probably get away with a cup with just like bottles at this event, uh, potentially with the exception of leaving Black Canyon City at mile 37. Um, that's that longer stretch. You start to get into more climbs. It's going to take you a little bit longer to get between aid stations. 
So you might want to switch to a, a pack and a bladder. You know, that's a crew accessible aid station. So okay. it's easy to, to swap out maybe your bottles up till then. And then you want to do a pack um, or add maybe a third or a fourth bottle to your pack just for that section there. So, so speaking of the crew, since you brought them up, uh, what, what is a tip for a crew member who's, who's got their runner at one of these places? Like, what do you, what advice would you give to the captain of the crew on how to keep their runner moving forward? Yeah, sure. Um, this event's evolved a little bit since 2014 and we had 42 finishers the first year and now we had 700, uh, this year. So it's, it's like pretty wild. Um, we've had to pare down the crew spots a little bit. So the early years you could stop at every road crossing every like early on every like seven to eight miles, you could stop and, and meet up. And now there's just three crew locations. So, I mean, I would say advice for a crew, I think maybe advice that's different for this race compared to some normal races is there's just a lot of runners. So even like having something to identify you so that your runner can find you quickly. I don't know whether that's like matching t-shirts or a, a flag or something like might be something to think about um, so that they can just find you as they're making your way through. Like it's really becomes kind of like a village as like everyone sets up at Bumblebee ranch in black Canyon city. Um, but yeah, be prepared um, to take care of yourself as well while you're out there as a crew so bring water, bring food, bring snacks. Um, and then, yeah, if you have any special nutritional needs um, for your runner, I guess, when you're out there, bring backups for different things, extra batteries, um, have that pack ready to go, swap a pack, you know, save some time. That, that is some solid advice. And the whole idea of not getting, uh, of at least being able to identify your crew or your runner. Uh, I mean, my wife who crews me uh, all my longer races and things, at nighttime, she's got some blinking light. So I look for a blinking light and, or I wear something specific. She knows that I'm wearing that day. And, and I'm trying not to wear black, 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 because if I do, she's like, everybody's wearing black. So at least on the East coast, you know, <laughs> I mean, so I, I don't know. It's just, I think it's really good advice that we have 700 runners coming through and you're wanting to not spend an hour in your aid station in general, you're going to want to get in and out. And if they can't find you, it is the most disheartening thing when you can't find your crew. Like it's a crazy maker. Yeah. My wife, Shannon, she's similar. She's like, don't wear neon green. Everybody's wearing neon green, <laughs> right? Like, don't wear, or wear some emblem or something. But uh, she's like, otherwise, I think everybody's you. I'm like, I'm wearing a black hat. Everybody wears black right. hat, right? <laughs> so, okay, so that's great advice for the crew. But obviously, I'm sure there's a lot of people that come out unsupported. Uh, you mentioned kind of the different aid stations. Are there other places for bag drops if somebody wants to do it that way? Yeah, we'll do bag drops at the at those three major aid stations. So uh, Bumblebee Ranch around mile 20, Black Canyon City mile 37, and then Table Mesa mile 51, um, and then the finish line as well. So unique part about the finish line, it's at a smaller trailhead. And so everyone has to take a shuttle bus to get there, including family, friends, spectators. They have to park at, there's a local mall nearby, like an outdoor mall. So you park there and then take the bus over to the finish line to see your runner. That's great info for people to know too. Be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> Be prepared. Yeah. yeah. Plan, plan ahead. 
Um, of course, my first 50 mile, yeah, my wife was stuck trying to get to the finish line. So knowing that you have to take a bus there, you know, don't, and, don't show up last second. <laughs> and I, and what I, what I like about everything you're saying, and I think I want to make sure if anybody's thinking to themselves, that sounds like a ton of runners and it's got to be just overwhelming with people. It sounds like though that what you've, what you've done with this race is you're organized in such a way that you're, you're not feeling as if you're overwhelmed with people. Like you've got people moving apart well enough with your wave starts and you've gotten them spread out enough to where you're not overlapping one another too much. And even at your crew locations, even though you're housing everybody that's coming through those major areas, you've got enough space for everybody to where you're not feeling as if there's too many people running the race. And so one thing I commend you on is that you're, you have a large race field, but you're organized in such a way that it doesn't take away from the experience of the individual runner. And so if somebody's listening and thinking, that's just way too many people, I don't think you're going to experience that in this race. So kudos. Yeah. Like you, you may not get that wilderness experience at this one. Um, like you'll probably always be around people. So that, that is going to be the black Canyon experience is, you know, there's less chances to just kind of be out there. Um, but that's kind of the nice thing too. You get a lot of people to chat with a lot of people to run with and meet from all over the place. And yeah, to speak to that, it's been an evolution, right? Um, like it's kind of grown steadily each year and we've tried to solve all those pain points and all those problems. Like early days, we were like little trailheads along the way. And we've had to move to these bigger, you know, like we rent out basically an entire horse ranch, uh, for one of the aid stations and, we have free reign, we spread it out. It's huge. It's a huge, huge field. So we've got tons of room there to spread out. That sounds incredible to me. Yeah. Well, it says a lot too about how well the race has been embraced. Mm -hmm. um, and, and on that note, so let's talk about it because February of 2024, um, but we do know it's sold out. We just talked about how popular it was. Right. And so I, I know that you guys have a wait list, but whether somebody goes for the wait list or whether they, you know, are targeting the year after, let's talk about the registration process. Um, when does it open? Are there any qualifiers? If somebody wants to run that race, uh, kind of what should they be looking for? Yeah, sure. Um, we typically will open around 10 months out. I don't remember the exact date. I think it was probably right around the end of April uh, this year. And I think the event sold out a few weeks ago. Um, we do maintain a wait list. You know, we're trying to work on upping the capacity slightly, but like, you know, like you said, we want to do so mindfully. Um, we think there's probably room to grow in the future. We just it might mean it might mean more shuttle buses uh, to reduce the the parking at the at the different venues and things like that. So um, we've got already a pretty healthy wait list. So we're trying to see. Uh, if we can get a few more people in, but that's kind of the process. Uh, there's no qualifications to to enter the race, so anyone can enter. Fantastic. Just scratching out all the questions that we've covered so far. <laughs> <laughs> He's covering other questions as well. <laughs> well, and the good news is, um, you go check out your website. You guys have a ton of events like we said at the beginning. So even if somebody can't get or does get on the wait list, but doesn't get into the race. Um, and I, again, from the outside, looking in from everything we see from the guests we've talked to, it looks like your community is incredible. And so I'd highly recommend that I would imagine as people start jumping into some of those different races, you kind of just build that network and know those faces so that when they do show up on the black Canyon course, like you're with friends, true statement. Yeah, absolutely. And like, yeah, there's a lot of great events. Like if, 
yeah, let's say you, you know, weren't able to get into Black Canyon this year or don't want to put your name on the wait list and, and see how it goes. Uh, like the Desert Runner Trail Series, I'll make a pitch for that. Um, it happens all winter long down here. If you want that kind of winter escape, if you want to just revel in the open skies and the wide open views, uh, you know, in the desert, uh, there's options of like all kinds of distances from like short all the way up to like 100 miles. So it's good stuff. I should do one of those. And he'll laugh at me because I'll carry the umbrella. <laughs> so, oh, there's that guy, Jeff, carrying the umbrella, Eastern. <laughs> I think you'll be ahead of the trend. I think it's going to catch on, especially for these longer distances. I'm I'm convinced. Yeah, yeah. umbrella hack. I am a trendsetter. Yeah, <laughs> I look I look forward to, to witnessing it. Um, well, here's the deal, man. I, I I or we appreciate you so much. It's been an honor talking with you. We don't want to take up too much of your time, but um, getting out there, getting one of your races is definitely on my list. You know, sometimes it's tough being out here on the East Coast because there's all these incredible looking events out your way. But um, our motto is just show up. It, it's something that you and your community do all, you know, day in and day out. We appreciate everything you do for the community. And uh, for anybody that's plugging in for the first time, we appreciate you you coming by. We hope you really got a lot of value out of this. We do a podcast a release every other week with full guests, which Jamil, uh, you know, we'll put you on the spot. We'd love to have you just to talk about your, you know, running career, uh, experiences. No well. race stuff. What's that? No race. <laughs> yeah. stuff. We, we'd have to talk about the races, but, um, look to the community. We appreciate you so much. And, and Jamil, man, just thank you so much for your time. Thanks. It was really fun chatting. Thanks, awesome, guys. man. We appreciate it. We'll make sure all the links are down in the notes and we'll be talking soon. Cuts. All right, listen, thank you so much. We recognize the fact that you are probably just hanging on just for a couple more minutes as you're finishing up your run. But really, we do want to give you a huge thank you for the constant support that you've shown us. We hear you and we feel you. And the best way for us to continue to grow is for you to share us with your friends. Tell them what you put in your ears when you're out there on a long run. Hit the like button, leave us a comment, um, leave a review, and give us some direct feedback on what you like about the show and also what you don't like. We're here to improve and do it for you. And it really means the world. And listen, if you would like to support financially, you can connect with us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the ultra running guys, or you can use the support link in the show notes. Any and all support goes directly back into growing the show and helping us get better at what we love to do, which is to serve all of you. And with that, finish up that run, get cleaned up and just show up clean, clean. <laughs>